Hello there, and welcome to the Big Boss Book Club. Thank you for listening to the Big Boss Book Club. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Boss Book Club, Twitter at Big Boss 010, and on Facebook at Big Boss Book Club. Uh, you can support the show by giving us a follow on any of those social media platforms, uh, a review on any of the platforms that the podcast is available, such as uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, and Google Podcasts, as an example. You can also subscribe to the show on any of those platforms as well, so you get the show sent straight to you on its release. Um, our link tree is also available on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. This week I will be taking a look at a, uh, a different budget deck. Last season we looked at the Cyberstrike structure deck. This time around, wanted to really uh, rewind the clock and look at the actual uh, Sacred Beast structure deck that was released uh, a bit beforehand. Um, in fact, I think it was released just before the start of the whole uh, pandemic, I think, if I remember correctly. The Sacred Beasts themselves, a very niche archetype. They were introduced in the Yu-Gi-Oh! GX series. They essentially replaced um, the Egyptian God cards for the for the GX run. They don't look, in fact, <laughs> they don't look all too dissimilar. Um, Raviel is clearly Obelisk, Haman is clearly Ra, and Uriah is clearly Slifer. They, they look very, very similar. It's kind of like that, that meme about, um, can I copy your homework? But yeah, just change something so it doesn't look exactly the same. Uh, that is exactly what, what I think they did with Hamam, Raviel and, and uh, Uriah. <laughs> um, so the Sacred Beast were almost like your budget uh, god cards. But saying that, they, they've had a structure deck which has been pretty tip-top in comparison to the uh, abysmal... Egyptian god decks that were released, which were starter decks that they added Egyptian god cards into. They were all, I'll go into a little bit about that in a minute anyway. So, I mean, in terms of play, you would maybe see Raviel in some mono fiend decks. I, I think um, we, we had it maybe trying out at one point in one of Andrew's decks because he's a big fiend guy. Um, Haman, I don't think we ever actually used him, but we did surmise that he could be used in crystal beast decks because crystal beasts become face-up spells and Hamon can use them to come out uriah never saw him <laughs> never saw a game with uriah we're not really the biggest trap people i've kind of steered people away solely because i don't think traps are as reliable as they used to be um, but with the release of their, their own dedicated structure deck i think we finally got a way to maybe see them played in a more consistent way and on a budget which is Absolutely wonderful. Um, before we go into the uh, the deck itself, though, just want to really chat about budget builds. So there's, there's various different types of budget builds. Obviously, you want to spend... Usually, you're thinking about a certain price tag that you want to put on a deck. In this instance, it's about £30. In fact, I don't think it actually cost me that, if I'm honest. Essentially, this budget build is three structured decks, smashed together, and then cut down to 40 cards. I would usually go between 40 and 42 as a max. I don't know if that changes if you go to um, sort of high competition events. I'm not really sure if that changes. I, I don't 
get involved in it anymore. Um, generally, the structured decks that they've released have been good. They've, they've kind of tried to incorporate some um, popular or, or what people would deem a staple kind of cards. For example, we have Infinite Impertinence in the Cyber Strike deck. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was like Calling, Calling the Dark Ruler or something like that that was in the Freezing Chains structure deck. They've tried to incorporate these high-end, high-value cards into structure decks, which A, gives them access to newer players, which is always great, and makes them access, gives them access to people who maybe didn't have them but wanted them and couldn't get hold of them. So I think the structure decks have been really valuable from a business perspective anyway. Um, but generally they're, they're designed to be reasonably okay out of the box, which is pretty cool. Don't get me wrong, there'll always be cards that you look at and go, yeah, that's not going in the deck. <laughs> but there will always be those cards that you look at and go, I need three of them, or I need two of them, or, or that definitely needs to be in the deck. You'll always find those cards in the structure deck. So it's very easy to get to 40 cards with three copies of a structure deck, I think. And if there is sort of a, a gap, it's pretty easy to fill that out with other stuff that's in the deck. I mean, you won't be winning any tournaments. I don't think you'd be winning any tournaments with, with the structure decks as just a, a combined piece. Maybe if you put a bit more time and cash into the deck itself, maybe, to thin out and get rid of some of those more... Um, I don't know, those more... lesser lesser value cards? I don't know. The cards you, you put in at the end to fill in the slots. All those cards that did something but didn't do it in the best way, uh, which we'll go into in a little bit later anyway. The one thing I would also like to mention is structure decks, starter decks and theme decks are very different. Theme deck in terms of sort of like the Egyptian god decks and even starter decks, they're not to the same level as a structure deck. So a structure deck out of the box would cream a starter deck and that the, those theme decks would, would probably beat them as well. I mean, the structure deck is just pre-built more competitive, if that makes sense, as a, as a pre-con anyway. If you're looking at getting into Yu-Gi-Oh, you're already into Yu-Gi-Oh, maybe, or you've been out of it and want to come back in, I think yeah, a three-structure deck, budget deck, is, is a great way of doing it. It's a reasonably inexpensive way, let's say £30, usually £9.99 for a structure deck. Three copies, boom, pack of deck covers, pack of deck box, jobs are good. And, um, if you want to put in a few extra singles to the term, you know, maybe give it that little bit of extra oomph, there's, there's always room for that. I built, they released a Chaos Dragons uh, structure deck, which was really cool, and it was just light and dark dragons. Working off the old remove one light, one dark to special summon this. And I loved it. I put three of them together and I added in a Galaxy Ice Photon Dragon and a Black Luster Soldier Envoy of the Beginning. That was all I added in from the outside. And twice I didn't even need to add in the Galaxy Eyes. It was there more for more for theme than anything else. And I never got beaten with it. I it was only ever using casual play. Never never went to a tournament with it. But yeah, never actually lost a game 
when I took it apart, it's still it was still undefeated. It was such a fun deck because it's like even if your opponent cleared your field on your, their turn, by the end of your next turn, your field could be completely back again, and <laughs> which was probably the reason why they limited and banned a few of the cards in it. To be quite frank, um, it had like three red eyes, black metal dragons, darkness metal dragons in there. A horrible, horrible thing to have to fight against. Um, especially then you're just bringing out all these special summon dragons. Oh, yeah. And even when you remove them from the game, there was ways of bringing them back. Yeah, the deck was the deck was nasty, but it was so fun. And when you'd been through, a little, at the time, been through a little bit of a rut of just getting your butt kicked in any game you played, to walk in, sit down with that deck and just absolutely own the, the people you were playing with... Um, yeah, it was quite a little fun feeling at the time. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll go for a quick break and we'll come back and we'll actually have a look at the deck. Like I said, essentially it's three copies of the uh, structure deck for the Sacred Beasts. It's just three copies of it put together and cut down. There's no um, outside cards or other um, other random singles in there. Not at this point, anyway. May do it down the line, but I'm, I'm actually quite happy with, with how the deck is at the moment. Um, so we'll go for a quick break, we'll come back, and we'll jump into the actual deck list itself. Okay, welcome back. So, the deck list itself, again, I'll just reiterate, it is just three copies of the Sacred Beast Structure deck, put together and cut down. That there's no outside uh, interference, so to speak. So, the monster side of things, we've got one copy of Raviel, Lord of Phantasms, the Shimmering uh, Scraper? Scrapper? I'm going to say Scrapper. Two copies of Raviel, Lord of Phantasms, uh, two copies of Amon, two copies of Uriah, uh, three copies of the Dark Summoning Beast, three copies of Dark Beckoning Beast, three copies of Chaos Summoning Beast. Three copies of uh, Radiant, the multi-dimensional Kaiju. And three copies of Danger, Chupacabra. I just love that name. I've never successfully used its ability, but I do love that name. <laughs> just reminds me of South Park. Um, in the trap section, not a very big one. Uh, one copy of Hyperblaze. Two copies of Escape from the Dark Dimension. Very, uh, very Doctor Strange there. And three copies of Awakening of the Sacred Beasts. Uh, spells, we have a little bit more. Uh, two copies of Cerulean Skyfire. Uh, one copy of uh, One for One. Two Dimensional Fusion Destruction. Two Fallen Paradise. Three Opening of the Spirit Gates. And three copies of Pot of Desires, which was a very um, risque choice when I've, whenever I've uh, spoke to anyone about it. They've always been like, oof, really? Um, the extra deck does exist. There's some tokens that come with the structure deck, so I've just got three copies of the Phantasm token in there. Um, that is definitely the right one, isn't it? Oh yeah, and three copies of the Phantasmal Mar Martyr token as well. I've also got one random copy of a of a um, Raviel token, just because actually that's the only card from the outside, but it's a token, so it doesn't really count. Uh, three copies of Varmatile, the Chaos Phantasm, and three copies of Phantasm Emperor Trilogic, get his name right. Not that I've ever used any of the extra deck um, monsters. I've pretty much always just used the main monster deck, but we'll go into a little bit more about that when we talk about the cards and why they're in there. So that's really it. I'm pretty certain that's about 40 cards. 
it doesn't really go any higher than that. Especially with part of desires, you want to try and make sure I'm getting. I don't want to. Well, part of desires is a wonderful, wonderful card. Um, yeah, so we'll go for another quick break. We'll come back and we'll actually talk about the cards in the deck and, and why they're there and, and why I chose them. Um, so we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. So let's have a quick look at the actual cards in the deck itself. So to start with, we'll look at spells and traps. Um, we'll start off with spells. We have two copies of Cerulean Skyfire. Essentially, it lets you bring out Hamon with face-down spells as well as face-up. Not that you're ever doing that, but it's really shining when essentially you can change Hamon to defense mode to negate a spell or trap, which is great. If uh, a Sacred Beast then leaves the field... You take no damage, um, no damage at all that turn, which is great. When Hamon is in defense mode anyway, your opponent has to target it for an attack. So essentially you're negating it and you spell a trap and then you're getting to force your opponent to attack him. So and with 4,000 defense, it's, it's nothing to be uh, laughed at. Um, due to the uh, sort of limited and restricted list, one copy of one for one just lets you discard a card to go get a level one monster. You're always going to get Chaos Summoning Beast. It's the only monster in the deck it can target. A little bit more on him in a bit. Dimension Fusion Destruction. It's not a big deal in the deck. Not really. And There's something quite satisfying about getting Armour Tile out. I pretty much, I've never used it to bring out a Trilogic. But getting out Armour Tile isn't a bad deal. If you can do it and make it work. But 9 times out of 10, this is probably a card you're going to discard for another ability. Nine times out of ten. Uh, two copies of Fallen Paradise. One of the only cards in the deck I'm a little bit dubious about. So Fallen Paradise is great. It protects your Sacred Beast from effects. So they just, they're just, they're I mean, the four thousand attack the bulk of them and they're hanging around because you can't get rid of them with effects. It's great. And then you get to draw two extra cards a turn when you have Sacred Beast out. There's no real negative to this card. Only two copies. My main issue is once you've got a copy out, my experience is none of my opponents or people I'm playing are, are going to be getting rid of it. And even if they do, having the you only really need the two. I found that having three could result in you drawing it and being sat there with a useless card. Two felt like a good balance. But if I was going to take out a Dimension Fusion Destruction, I would put in a third copy. <laughs> um, three copies of Opening the Spirit Gate, such a great card, lets you search for a Sacred Beast or anything that mentions one of the Sacred Beasts. That's a lot of cards in this deck that you can just go and search for. Um, this lets you just, uh, special summon a zero attack defense fiend from your bin by discarding a card. And there's a lot of them in the deck as well. And it lets you just pick up a continuous spell. Now, there's only five, the two Cerulean Skyfires and the three opening the Spirit Gates, but it lets you get them back one way or the other. It, it works. Finally, to round off the Spells and Traps, three copies of Pot of Desires. It's a very risky card. You would probably only ever use it once per game. Banishing the top ten cards of your deck to draw two is very, very risky, and the earlier you see this card, is probably the better. Because then you're least likely to use your lose your um, sacred beasts. I played this in a game and I lost pretty much fifty percent of my sacred beast monsters. 
luckily I had enough left to, to win the game. But it, it's very, very risky. Um, potentially you could lose your entire game just playing off that one card. But on the flip side, it thins your deck out and you draw two cards off it. So, trap cards. We have not many of them. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of, of traps. One copy of Hyperblaze. Again, if it was taking out the Dimension Fusion, I would maybe consider increasing this to two. It's solely there to make your eye really playable. I mean, you can discard a card from your hand to special summon or add a Sacred Beast back to your hand from the graveyard. Which isn't bad. It's not too bad at all. Or you can send traps from your hand or deck to the graveyard to boost your eye's ability. It's okay. It's the reason it's only really one of. Uriah's not the guy I'm planning on getting out that much. It's mainly going to be Raviel and Hermon. Uh, then we've got two copies of Escape from the Dark Dimension. This card with Chaos Summoning Beast and uh, Dark Summoning Beast. You've got a absolute cracker of a combo where you can just keep bringing them back and using their abilities. Okay, they go back out of play. That doesn't really matter. If you, because essentially um, uh, Dark Summoning and uh, Chaos Summoning remove themselves from the graveyard to use different abilities, which we'll go into. So being able to bring them back from out of play to activate their first abilities again is just wonderful. Now, the final piece of the trap puzzle is Awakening of the Sacred Beasts. It's three copies. It's just super. Absolutely super. Uh, depending on the number of Sacred Beasts, determine which abilities you unlock. If you have one, whenever your opponent summons a monster, you gain life points equal to its attack. If you have two, you ignore monster effects. And if it's three, you banish their monsters when they're destroyed. There's just no negative to having this card in the deck, and it's a three off. Now, onto the monsters. So we have three copies of Danger, Chupacabra, which is one of my favourite cards in the deck, solely because I like its name. <clears throat> I've never hit its ability once. <clears throat> Essentially, its ability is you reveal Danger Chupacabra, your opponent randomly discards a card from your hand. If it's not Danger Chupacabra, you get to special summon it and draw a card. I've never hit that ability, not once. But it's such a fun card. It's low level, it's easy to summon set, if its ability does hit, you're drawing a card, which, especially in a game where drawing cards is now highly costing, um, it's it's a nice, just a nice little draw one potentially. Then finally, three copies of the the Radiant Kaiju. It's a great card. It's helped me in a couple of games. I played against Rob a couple of times where he had a monster in defense mode that couldn't be destroyed in battle. The deck doesn't really have any targeted destruction. And it doesn't really have anything that can negate, unless I get two sacred beasts out, it negates the ability. But if I'm if I'm not fortunate to have that in play, um, it was becoming really annoying. Luckily, just attributed it to bring out the radiant kaiju, and then just attacked the kaiju to to get rid of it. Nice and easy. Three copies of Chaos Summoning Beast. Allows you to basically tribute it to special summon a sacred beast, ignoring its summoning conditions. You can't go wrong with that. You can then remove it from the grave to go grab fallen paradise from your deck. There's no negative. And then, like I said, with with uh, escape from the dark dimension, you can then bring that monster back from out of the game and use its ability again to tribute and special summon another sacred beast. There's just no negative at all to using the uh, using that ability. We've got a Dark Summoning Beast, 
it's a little bit more of occasional use. Essentially, I'm probably discarding it for opening the spirit gates. I'm generally not tribute summoning it as it's level 5. Level 5? I didn't put down what level it was, like an idiot. Yeah, level 5. Um, so, essentially, it's a you contribute it to special summon a sacred beast from your deck. Or when you can remove it from the game to go grab a sacred beast from your deck and add it to your hand. Chaos Beast is better, but Dark Summoning, being able to do it from the deck is, is very good, but you've got to do the Tribute Summon first, which is annoying. So generally, I would try and bring it out using uh, opening of the Spirit Gates. Now, then we've got Dark Beckoning Beast, which rounds out the, the sort of first part of the monsters. Um, when you Special Summon it, you can... Oh, sorry, when you Summon it, you can go grab a Sacred Beast or card that mentions them in from the deck... Again, just like um, the Spirit Gates, this is very. This targets a lot of cards in your deck. Then you can also summon an additional Fiend monster with zero attack or defense that turn. So you go get your uh, your Chaos Summoning Beast, and then you special summon, then you summon it out. Use Chaos Beast's ability to go get like I don't know. So the ideal candidate's Raviol because then you contribute um, Dark Beckoning. For its ability, it doesn't give you anything, but if you at least if you tribute it, you know that it's not going to get attacked. So, um, then finally, just to round off monsters, we have two of each of the sacred beasts: uh, Haman, Raviel, and Uriah. Obviously, Haman and Raviel are your big, your main ones. They your four thousand attack point uh, beaters. Uh, Uriah is good if you can get out Hyperblaze and, and trigger it a couple of times. You, it's okay. Or if you just want to use the fusion spell to bring out Armatile for some reason, you can do it. Then one copy of Raviel um, Shimmering Scrapper uh, finishes the main deck. For all, essentially, he's he's pretty good. Like I never really paid attention to his ability until recently. But he, you can, essentially, he's honest for Raviel. So you can discard him from your hand, target a Raviel you control. It doubles his attack, so it goes to 8,000. And then he can attack all monsters your opponent controls. That is not a bad card to have in hand for that final push to win. Um, you can also tribute a monster you control to add this guy from your graveyard to your hand. Which, again, is not a bad way to go. <laughs> If you're looking to um, absolutely annihilate an opponent in in a couple of turns, it's definitely the way to go. I'd never really read his ability. I had one in the deck, kind of, because I thought seemed like it needed to be in there. But actually, when I properly read his ability, I was like, "This is nuts. This needs to stay. <laughs> this needs to stay in." Uh, but just a one-off because it's only targeting Raviol. So yeah, it's definitely only a one-off. Uh, again, the extra deck, aside from the tokens, which don't really matter, um, three copies of Armatile. He's okay. I mean, he gains 10,000 attack during your turn and he can't be destroyed by battle. So it's not a bad, not a bad creature to have on your side. The Phantasm Emperor Trilogic, uh, you can target one face-up monster your opponent controls. Inflict damage to your opponent equal to half its attack. It's not... It's not... Great. Um, 
yeah, it's, I, I don't really like it. It, it, it's, it seems a little too sluggish, and it's only 4,000 attack, and you'd need to tribute three Sacred Beasts to get it out. At least Armatile gives you 10,000 attack. <laughs> the Trilogy is, is a standard 4,000 attack, which, I mean, it's burn ability, which is cool, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd, I'd be wanting to play that on any form of consistent basis. Doesn't feel overly uh, overly right. So that's really a rundown of the deck itself and the cards that are in it. Why they're really in there as well. Because they all kind of work very synergistically together. Um, and they fill in gaps. Like Radian, for example. It, if your, your opponent's got that monster that you just can't quite get rid of. <clears throat> Radian's the way to go. Um having like the escapes from Dark Dimension to, and even like the opening of the Spirit Gates to go and grab those monsters that you need to bring out your Sacred Beasts based solely on what's in the deck to start with. I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's an argument for some of the other cards that were in the deck uh, in the decks to be in here. I'm quite happy with this deck. It's, it's done alright for me. So that's really uh, the ins and outs of the, the deck. Uh, you know, Maybe give it a try, see what you think. Uh, we'll go for a, a quick break. We'll come back and we'll actually just go over some, some thoughts on the deck. What I would maybe exchange out um, or what I would put in. Um, some final thoughts and we'll, we'll get out of here. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Okay, so the decks worked really well, considering it's just three structure decks uh, put together and cut down to, to 40 cards. It's worked really, really well. Um, I played against um, Ash, who's, who's Rob's, my cousin Rob's uh, stepson. Um, he plays like a, a really cool Magnet Warriors deck. It's so annoying. Like He just brings out all these Magnet Warriors and then beefs them up. And Yeah, it's horrible. Um Absolutely trounced him, especially once I got two Sacred Beasts out and all his monsters had no effects. <laughs> um, played against Rob's Red Eyes and his uh, Toon decks, uh, beat both them. Um, I think it, I played against my mate Blatman with his uh, Blue Eyes deck and uh, beat that as well. The ability to get out like two plus 4,000 attack point monsters in a very, very short space of time is so good. Like, <laughs> for a structure deck, it, it, you know. And then to have cards out that stop the Sacred Beasts being affected by, like, card effects or targeted by card effects. Like I so said, the, the Fallen Paradise is the, the prime example there. It, it is, is great. I mean, in a casual environment, it's very competitive. But I feel in a competitive environment, it would feel very casual. <laughs> Essentially, this deck is not going to win any tournaments I, I don't think you hmm, you could probably increase the value of the deck maybe take out the pot of desires and replace them with like some better cards um, you've got uh, pot of prosperity and pot of what's the other one extravagance they don't really affect your main deck they banish cards from the extra deck which is fine because you don't really need the extra deck with this so yeah, pot them, um, then stops you losing cards from your deck. 
I mean, hell, uh, a lore of darkness is a good if you want to keep it cheap. A lore of darkness. Most of the secondary monsters in the deck are dark, and in fact, if you pull a chaos summoning beast, you don't even care that you have to banish it because the deck can bring it back. I mean, oh, what else would there be? Foolish burial. Foolish burial would be a great card in this deck. Bin, bin that copy of chaos summoning beast or uh, dark beckoning beast or dark summoning beast. Just banish them. You can either bring them back using things like uh, uh, the Spirit Gates or banish them using their own abilities to go search your deck for cards. This, yeah, just simple little cards like Foolish Burial or Darkness are both commons. They're not difficult to get hold of, but they would make the deck better just right out the gate. Whether that would translate to tournament wins, I don't know, or tournament victories, I don't know. But just a couple of options that aren't included in the structure deck. Um, I mean, looking at the monsters, I'm not really sure what what I would go with. Um, I mean, the actual the summoning beasts, the beckoning beasts, they would they would definitely need to be stay in. Uh, Danger Chupacabra could maybe be be taken out. Um, Maybe even the dark summoning, maybe thin down the number of dark summoning beasts in the deck. I don't know. I think the danger chupacabra would probably be a, a good one to get rid of. I don't know what you'd replace it with, to be honest, because I think with the actual summoning and beckoning beasts, if you're going to go down a tournament competitive route, hand traps, uh, ash blossom, uh, nibiru, uh, something along them lines. Maybe a little bit more techy to go that way. When actually researching the deck and to seeing what people were playing, I did know a couple of people were playing uh, Malefic Monsters. So Malefic Monsters will only stay on the field if you've got a field spell, which this deck has, and generally will, will be sticking around. So like maybe Malefic Cyber End Dragon could be a good idea. Keep a Cyber End Dragon in your extra deck. Banish it to bring out Malefic Cyber End Dragon, so it's another 4,000 attack point monster. The main issue is only it can attack, <laughs> but I mean, you could always tribute it to bring out Dark Summoning Beast and then tribute that to bring out a, a, a Sacred Beast. So, you know, there's definitely some, some options, but maybe like one copy of a Malefic Monster might just be what you need because you can just special summon it. Yeah, maybe worth it. And again, it's not a big ask because you just need a cyber end in your extra deck. Since this deck doesn't really care about the extra deck, it's it's not such a big ask to include it. Um, trap wise, maybe one copy of Awakening of the Sacred Beasts could be gotten rid of. I think there's enough search power in the deck. And as I said, maybe the Dimension Fusion Destructions, get rid of them. And increase the number of Fallen Paradise by one. It's giving you um, three. Um, maybe, yeah, there's some... I think there's a lot of potential uh, variety. Whether I would reduce the Dark Dimensions down, I don't know. Feel like they're really, really good at bringing back those monsters that you want to bin, uh, banish, 
because those monsters have really good effects when they're on the field and it feels like you really want to get them back and, and get the most out of them and escape from the dark dimension is perfect there is a equip, equipment spell which is also a common that does the same thing but it's a spell card and it equips them maybe if you didn't want to go with traps you could play the field the equip spell instead that would be something interesting um, yeah, I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd really make much else. Yeah, I mean the deck itself has played really well. Like I said, and considering it's it is a budget build, it's been surprising how many games it's done really well in. Taking it to a tournament, I don't think it would it would fare as well. I don't think it would fare at all. I think it'd just get creamed. This deck does need a few turns to get going to get all those pieces together. My understanding and, and knowledge of the modern game would would say that. The games won't give me the time to do that. Hence why I said if you if you went to a tournament with this, it would probably feel very casual. Where in a casual event, it does feel a bit competitive. So, I don't know. I have kept it as it is. I haven't made any changes at all. I've kept it exactly how it is from the box. Now we're sort of getting towards the end of this whole pandemic and things have, things have chilled out a bit more. I may look at maybe making some changes to it and seeing how it fares from a little bit more of a uh, upgraded perspective. Like I said, even if it's just taking out things like part desires, um, slapping in a foolish burial, maybe up in you know, Fallen Paradise, maybe just seeing how it goes. And uh, again, it still would be quite budget. I'm not planning on spending a lot of money on upgrading it if I do upgrade it. So yeah, it kind of works out. It's, it's, it's such a fun deck. Uh, and again, a great way to get into the game. If you're at that entry point, you're coming into the game. Oh, you know, my friends have cards. What would be the best thing? Well, you can buy three copies of this structure deck for less than £30. And have a reasonable A card pool and B a reasonable deck that would be okay. And You'll win some, you'll lose some, it'll be fun. Great. That's really what I'd be looking for. That's quite quite enjoying the whole buying three decks and building them. Um, and keeping my eye out for what the next structured decks will be. The next one I'm not too fussed about, but if they release anything more fe sort of themed along this lines, I will probably more than likely be picking them up. Um, so again, all in all, you don't need to make many changes. The deck comes with a great carpool. It's alright to get down to 40 cards as it is. Um, you could probably make some changes with the carpool. There's cards like Chaos Core in there, for example. Maybe a little bit more techy. I'm not really sure. Um, it wasn't a card that I felt made any sense, but you might make sense of it. So, you know, I think the important thing is that the deck is a great starting point again for someone to get into the game. Get them used to building decks with a with a sort of restricted carpool or a limited carpool. And once you know what you're doing with the deck you've built, you can start splashing the cash. <laughs> Or just buy another different three structure decks and start the whole process all over again. <laughs> or maybe even combine them. I don't know. There was an argument at one point for the uh, Dragon Unity uh, structure deck being applied to the Cyber Strike structure deck. Because a lot of the Dragon Unity stuff is about it being equipped to other monsters. And that's what Cyber Strike is all about. <laughs> Getting those dragons equipped to machines. So... Yeah, there's, there's probably an argument for maybe mix and matching. If you've got six copies of those decks, three of the Dragon Unity, three copies of the Cyber Strike, 
there's maybe some form of hybrid Cyberdark-esque build there. Again, it's a nice way, the structure decks are such a nice way of increasing your carpool for a very, very reasonable price. Um, and I, I managed to get the Cyber Strike decks for, for you know, they were 9.99 each from Warstones. Just can't argue with that in terms of value for what you're getting. And especially with uh, if they're going to keep putting in these top staple cards in. So like I say, Infinite Impertinence was part of Cyber Strike. So if they keep doing things like that and they're going to keep adding in these these top-end cards, the, the, the value of the structure deck itself from a, a player perspective, not so much a financial perspective, but from a player perspective will be very, very good. So that's really it for this week's episode. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. If, you, if you're into Soho Yu-Gi-Oh! and you've done these budget builds, drop me a message. Let me know what you've done. Have you? Did you may? Did you get this structure deck? Did you use something different than what I've done? Um, I've seen a load of different variants of this list online, so it's, it's always really interesting to hear what people have done and what people are doing. Um, Instagram, Big Boss Book Club. Twitter, Big Boss 010. Facebook, Big Boss Book Club. Um, thank you so much for listening. I'm Big Boss. I'm out. Peace.